1: 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. are
0: all for today, Master, Savior. I have come to seek you. Are you ready? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray today that you would touch me today. That you would anoint me. Give ears to hear in this place today what you would say. Because God, if not, God, all I'm saying is just words. But God, I pray that this would be life today. That this would be hope to people in this place. God, I pray for everyone in this place today. I ask God that none would leave here the same way in which they came. But God, they would leave knowing, just like Kelly got that knowledge. And just like you met Doug on that road this week. God, I pray right now that you would meet that person right now, wherever they're at. That they would leave here knowing without a shadow of a doubt. God, you're real. God, you want to touch their life. And God, you've got the best still yet in store for every one of us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said. And everyone said. Behind the music. Behind the music is what we've been talking about. And today, the title of our message is, Watch Out. Turn to your neighbor and go, Watch Out. Come on, you didn't do it properly because I didn't hear that. Out. Come on, turn to your neighbor and go, Watch Out. Come on, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it in the house. During this season we have looked at stolen praise. How Satan wants to steal our praise. How he wants to take our praise. How from the beginning of time he stole praise from God. We've looked at how praise needs to come from the heart. Because if we praise God just because of the stuff. When the stuff goes, guess what? The praise goes. So it's from a heart. A heart of a champion that God wants to put inside of every one of us. Last week we talked about When God shows up, when God shows up, how when we begin to praise him, his presence comes. And when God shows up on the scene, nothing is impossible. Come on, we sang that today, didn't we? Through you, blind eyes are opened. Nothing is impossible. When God shows up. This morning, we're going to talk about watch watch out the truth. How Praise Brings God's Power. Hasten the title. Watch out because, once again, impossibilities become possible. I pray that over this series we have opened your understanding to realize that praise and worship is more than just a church thing. That it's more than just music and words. But that it involves you. It involves all of you. It involves your total being. It's something we need to engage in throughout our daily life. And it's not just displayed with our math. Thank you, Jesus. That's praising God. But you know what? Being the hardest worker at work, that's praising God. Because it's giving glory and honor to God. Being at work on time, that's praising and worshiping God. Not taking too long lunch breaks, that's praising and worshiping God. Being faithful to do above and beyond. That's praise and worship to God. Because it's more than just from our lips. It's from our total being. It's really, to be honest with you, it's really us relinquishing all control. And praising Him for who He is. Living a life that glorifies Him. That says, God, you're in control of my life. And you hold my future. As you begin to study, and I've been studying over the last few weeks, the subject of praise and worship as a whole, it's almost overwhelming. There's so many truths, there's so many rewards, there's so many things that are attached to the power through praise and worship in God. But I thought about it, the thought of being overwhelmed, and I thought perhaps that's how God wants us to see praise and worship. That we are so overwhelmed for us to be so full of it, so overwhelmed with it, that it absolutely flows out from us and we cannot shut up about it, that it emanates from our total being. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about a man called Bartimaeus. Well, really, he was first known as Blind Bart. Come on. He was first known as Blind Bartimaeus, but he's not known by that anymore. He's just Bartimaeus now because he met God. And there is a point of this story today that I just want to briefly allude to. And that is this. He got the attention of Jesus. Bartimaeus got the attention of Jesus. People around him told him, be quiet. They told him just who he was. Come on, people looked at him and said, you're just a blind beggar. Regarded as being cursed because that's what a beggar was. Regarded as being cursed by God. People looked at him and said, you're just a cursed beggar. Doesn't get much worse than that. People began to tell him who he was. I've just got to say this today. Aren't you glad that God does not look at you as how you was? But God looks at you how you can be. Come on, God looks at you as how, when he finishes with you, what you can be. Because if God looked at us how we were, guess what? We would still be in the worst state. And in a worse state. But you see, Bartimaeus, he was told by everyone that day, Exactly what he was. The same way David went out to face Goliath. Goliath told him who you were. You're just a little boy. Who do you think? I, are you going to come and insult me? I'm a mighty warrior. What do you think you can do to me? Kick me in the shin? I mean, come on, let's get real here, little boy. What's the truth today? What's the key? The key is not about who we are. But the key is who he is. And what he wants to be in your life. Because when we accept him, we have a new identity in him. So Bartimaeus has been told, be quiet, God doesn't want you, you're not important. But the Bible says he cried louder. Nothing was going to silence his cry that day and Jesus heard it. Can I tell you right now, praising and worshipping God catches the attention of God. There's a lot of noise around us today. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of other things and other ways to God today. Jesus says, I am the way. But there's a lot of other ways that have been presented to God today. But there's only one way. There's a lot of distraction out there. And it's so important that daily we catch the attention of God. Have you caught his attention lately? Or have you listened to everyone else around? Or are you taking the wrong advice? Or are you believing the doctor's reports? Or are you going to the wrong source? Because there's no life at the wrong source. Today we're going to talk about what praise and worship does. How we can catch the attention of God. The attention of God. And we're going to look at God's perception of what praise is all about. When you begin to think about perception, it's kind of a crazy thing for us. Because here's perception to every one of us. Perception really is what we see. We've got to be able to see it in order to be able to perceive it. And what we see, how many knows, may not always be the entire truth. Come on, have a witness in the house. What we see may not be the entire truth. Or can we say it this way, what we see is not the end of the story. We just see the moment, we see the human here and now because the human ability to perceive something is based solely upon what we see and therefore our understanding or how we take the information in. So in order to see it or in order to perceive it, we have to see it. If we don't see it, that's called speculation, not perception. But that's not so with God. You see, here's something you've got to understand about God. God is not just limited to what we see right now. God doesn't just see the problems we're facing right now. God doesn't just see what's around us like we do in our perception and what we take from what we see around us. The Bible says this, God knows our end from our beginning. That means he already knows. He sees the whole picture. Maybe it's time that we try to see how God sees. God doesn't see a dead end. God sees an opportunity. God doesn't see an impossibility. He sees possibilities. God doesn't see a trailer that's down on the road with no hope. God sees possibilities that there's a man across the street who's walking out, who has just what you need, right how you need it, and he's going to fix it and take care of it right now. Perception, what we see, but what does God see? It's amazing how we look and think that's life-threatening. It's life-ending. I cannot make it through. There's no way of escape. There's no hope. And God looks and says, I can take that and I can build your character. God says, I can take that and I can establish you. God says, I can take that and I can bring growth and development. I can bring future in your life. You see, because the truth is this. God sees things different to us. Proved by likes of the scripture, it says this God says this if you want to live, you first got to die. I mean, that's crazy. If I'm going to live, I've got to die. I mean, how can I live if I'm dead? Jesus says this if you want to receive, give. Well, hold on a second. That's the wrong direction. Receiving is coming towards me. Giving is coming out from me. So Jesus says, if I want to receive, I've got to give. Can you understand or see the fact of how God sees things different? His perception of the circumstances and situations is so different. Say with me, watch out. Praise is never just the end. But praise has to begin at the start and carry us through. We've got to have his perception because then we'll realize this. I can still praise God no matter what I see around me right now. You know why we don't see miracles in our lives? Because we shut off at the problem. Come on, let's just be honest in the house. We see a problem, we think there's no way around it. So what do we do? We go another direction. Or we live with the problem. I'm telling you right now, we've got to start praising God. Because praising God is getting your eyes off the circumstances. And placing your eyes on God. Starting seeing from His side of the sky. Starting seeing how He sees things. And He's not a man like every one of us. Come on, He said, have I not said it? So shall I not do it. That means He's able to do anything and everything. Praise Him. We heard last week, as we praise, His presence shows up. That's the first part. But today we're dealing with the second part. First part, presence, God shows up. Second part, He doesn't only show up, He does. He does. If you would look quickly in the Old Testament, there was 12 tribes of Israel. I'm not going to list them and go through them all. But there was 12 tribes... Of Israel, In the middle of the wilderness, God set an order about that when they were to camp, the tabernacle, symbolic of the presence of God, the place where God dwelt was to be in the middle. To the north four, to the east four, to the south four, to the west four. There were to be four tribes that were positioned around the presence of God. Four, 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 equaling twelve. When it was time to break camp and it was time to leave, there was a specific way that they should lead from. They were instructed to lead from the east. The first tribe that God positioned to the east was the tribe of Judah. Incidentally, Judah was the biggest tribe. If you would look at the numbers, Judah was the biggest tribe. So as they set camp, and they, or as they break camp and they leave, they were to leave with Judah going first. Now you may say, okay, well, what's the big deal of that? I mean, why the significance of that? Here's the significance. The word Judah means praise. Listen to me, the word Judah means praise. That's the big deal. Because the first people that stepped out when they left was those who sang praise and worshipped God. Praise needs to precede our lives every day. Everywhere they went, praise went before them. It's funny when you begin to even look at Judah, who was actually the fourth son of Jacob. He was born to Leah. He was unloved by Jacob. Leah wasn't loved by Jacob. Rachel was. And and he was born to an unloved wife. And you would think, wow, how strange. And she labels or names him praise. And there's not a whole lot that's detailed about his life. But in Genesis chapter 13, and you can read it when you get home, Joseph's had some dreams. As a result of his dreams, his brothers hate him. One day he comes and his brothers look and say, let's put to death this dreamer. Let's see what will become of his dreams. They threw him in a pit and they wanted to kill him. In Genesis 37, we see that Judah had another idea. Judah said, let's not kill him. But let's rather sell him to this band of Midianites. Let's not kill him, but let's sell him. They had thrown him into a pit. They wanted to kill him. Now it's still wrong what Judah wanted to do. But notice the first action of what Judah does. And that is this. He's lifting his brother out of a pit. A pit that was going to be his grave. Because his brothers wanted to kill him. But Judah says, hold on a second. Judah reaches down and lifts Joseph out of the pit. Okay, what's the big deal? I'll tell you the big deal. Praise will always elevate you. The circumstances or the situations you find yourself, you may be in a pit today. But I'm telling you, as you begin to praise, Judah, the voice of praise, will begin to elevate you. It will lift you out of that place. It will lift you out of the pit, so to speak. Judah, praise was to go first. And incidentally, David was of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus was a descendant and born of the tribe of Judah. As we read on in the Old Testament, we see the children of Israel finally enter into their land of promise, the land of Cana. But there's still an enemy to defeat and to drive out. And in Judges chapter 1, it gives an account of them in their conquest of Cana. Joshua has just died. Their leader's dead. What will they do? Who's going to lead us now? We don't have time to campaign. We don't have time to nominate people who are going to be leaders. You know, there's no time for a vote. Why? Because the Bible said that the Canaanites had already lined up and they were ready for battle. And they cried out to God and they said, God, who's going to lead us? Who's the ones that are going to go first? Look what it says in Judges 1, verse 1 and 2 and verse 4. And it says this. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up and fight against the Canaanites? Verse 2, And the Lord said, Who? Judah. Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hands. Stop for a second. Think about this. There's an enemy that's about to face them. They're already facing them. They're ready for war. The children of Israel are scrambling and saying, what should we do? God says, muster up the band. Get the singers and get the musicians. Get them to start tuning their instruments. They're getting ready to have a praise party Come on, you got to see this. God didn't instruct them to take up their swords and weapons. These were praisers. These were the worshippers. These were the ones who sang praises to God. And God says, as you begin to praise, as you send Judah first, look what he already says. I've already delivered them into your hand. They didn't have to fight. God said, I've already delivered them. I've already... Can I tell you right now, as we begin to send forth Judah, as we begin to praise, don't worry about what you see. Don't worry about the information you're gathering by what you're seeing around you. Let's start seeing how God sees. Let's start sending Judah forth in our lives. Start praising God. Why? Because that verse tells me right there that praise assures victory because God says I've already delivered the land into your hands. Send Judah first. Verse 4, Then Judah went up and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Peserites into their hands and they killed 10,000 men. Listen to me. In the natural, with our perception, what we see around us, that's crazy. Why send the band? They weren't the mighty fighting force. They weren't the elite. They weren't the Navy SEAL team. Just a bunch of musicians and singers. Just a bunch of praises. But you see, God's perception of the circumstance was this, not what they saw, but what he knew, what he knows. Praise that day provided his power, his power. Praise shouldn't be an option in our lives. It's especially shouldn't only be limited to the times when we feel like it. It needs to be and it has to be a must. It has to forget our feelings, what we see around us. We've got to push through and touch God. We've got to get his attention. I love the next story. This is one of my favorite stories, perhaps in the word of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it's not looking good. In fact, it's almost over. If you would and you have your Bibles with me, you can turn to it. If not, you can follow on, on the screen for all those sinners who don't bring their Bibles to church. And remember, take notes in church. Because statistically, they say you're less likely to go to hell if you take notes in church. <laughs> Again, I don't know if that's true, but I wouldn't put it to the test if I was you. I would just do it. Take notes in church. It's good to take notes. It says this in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 4. It says, now, this, now it happened. It happened. Can I tell you right now, it's going to happen. Come on, can I tell you one more time? Because I don't think you got that. It's going to happen. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know, but Satan's looking for opportunities and ways that he can cause the it to happen in your life. He wants things and problems and circumstances. He wants to crush you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to silence you. I'm telling you right now, if you're living, breathing, and you love God, get ready because it is going to happen. It happened after this that the people of Moab, the people of Ammon, and the others with them, besides the Ammonites and came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazen Tamar, which is Edgedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout the whole land of Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help for the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came and they sought the Lord." King Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel are facing the greatest external threat that they have ever seen. A great multitude, the Bible says, of Moabites, Ammonites, and others from Syria were putting or plotting to come and crush, to totally destroy Judah. They were trying to destroy, they were trying to silence the praise of God's people. So what did they do? What did they do? All eyes that day were on the king. What's the king going to do? Do you ever find yourself in circumstances and situations of life when you feel all eyes are on you? You Maybe lost your job, trials and tribulations, and everyone's watching because they know you're that Christian person. And they're kind of looking at you. And their eyes are all watching just to see because they're looking to find fault in you. They're looking to accuse you of something. Many times you're like, Ooh. it's not very nice when you feel like everyone's watching you. Have you ever been in that place? I have that feeling right now. It's why I hide behind here, you know, so you can't see me. It's not nice to sometimes be in that place where you walk in. Have you ever walked into a room and everyone stops talking and just looks at you? Kind of stand there for a minute, do a booger check, <laughs> do a zipper check. I mean, it's an it's a, it's a uncomfortable feeling. The king is there. his enemy is all around him. Everyone's looking to the king and they're saying, king, what are we going to do? We're facing incredible odds. And what does Jehoshaphat do? The Bible says he humbles himself before God. Now, now, I don't know what that means to you. But if that's me, this is what it means. God! Amen. I'm as low as I can go because I need God like never before. Everyone's looking at me. I'm the one that's got to call the shots. And I know I don't have an army that can Even stand up against them. I know in the natural, in my perception, it's over. So what am I going to do? He hits the ground. And he humbles himself before God. But you know what humbling himself before God did? Everyone's looking at him. He gets out of the way. And he points all eyes to God. Don't look at me you got to see God. you got to see God. How do I know he does all this? Because I've read the rest of the story. Are you ready? Let's go. Are ready? Verse 6. And he said, O oh God of our fathers. Notice he's pointing the attention to God. "Oh God of our fathers, are you not the God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hands is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwelt in it and you have built your sanctuary in it for your name's sake. If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple And in your presence for your name is in this temple and we will cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and you will say... Now here are the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and they did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us for coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But, but, let me get out of the way, because all of our eyes are now upon you. You may say, well, he's just complaining and moaning and he's questioning God. I'm telling you right now, that's not how I read it. He's reminding himself of the greatness of God. He's reminding himself of the promises of God. Come on, do I have a witness in the house? He's reminding them that they're right where they're supposed to be because God placed them right there. And he is saying, how dare the enemy come against your chosen people? You know what he's beginning to do? He's beginning to praise God. He's beginning to magnify God. He's beginning to remind himself how great an awesome God is. He's beginning to praise God. Come on, get your eyes off me, he says. Let's begin to get our eyes on oh God. It's the problem with too many churches today. It's all eyes on the pastor. It's all eyes on man. It's not about us. you got to get the attention of Jesus. you got to get the attention of Jesus. David did the same thing. He's in trouble. What does he do? He encourages himself in the Lord. You know what I think he did? I think he went into his room and he began to take his shoes and socks off and he began to rub his toes through that bare skin rug that he had in front of his fireplace. Come on, David began to look on that wall and see that lion skin hanging up there. He began to remind himself of something. Come on, and then he looked over the corner and there was a sword almost as big as him and he began to remind himself, God, if you can kill a bear, if you can kill... Come on, does anyone have a trophy trust in here? I mean, has God ever done anything for your life? Come on, do I have a witness in here? Has God ever healed you? Has God ever saved you? Has God ever touched you? Come on, we need to begin to remind ourselves on those things and begin to see as God sees, having a perception of God, praising him despite it all. Come on, despite it all, I'm going to praise you, God. When the doctors say there's no hope, my hands are going to go in the air and say, God, you're still my healer and you're still my deliverer. If you choose not to heal me, I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to love you. Man, I'm getting excited today. Where's the focus? Can I ask you today? Where's the focus now? What's now being perceived or seen? What's all around them? Or the ableness and the testimony of God? Can I tell you right now, praise shifts the focus. Praise shifts the focus. If you don't believe me, then you don't know how to praise. Because if you know how to praise, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It shifts the focus. And guess what? As they begin to praise, here comes the presence part. God shows up. Look what it says in verse 15. The prophet begins to speak, and these are the words that God speaks. Listen, all of Judah, and you the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, because of this great multitude. Notice, God doesn't deny the opposition. A lot of people turn around and say, don't claim your sickness because then you're accepting it. No, you've just been truthful of the circumstances. How can God heal you if you're not even sick? If, you, if you're saying, well, I'm not sick, I mean, how can really God heal you? Come on, we're not admitting defeat, we're just admitting the fact that there's a need, but yet we know the one who can meet our every need. God doesn't turn around and say to him, you think you see an army? They're not really there. They were there. They were there. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, they were there. God even sees them, but what does he do? He shifts their focus. Because God says, see that multitude there? Well, come back over here. Look at me. The battle is not yours, but it's God. Come on, as we begin to praise God. Come on, I don't know what you're facing today, but God does. I don't know what you're going to face this week, but God's already preparing it for you in the meantime. Come on, as we begin to praise God, praise and worship takes the fight out of our hands because it's not flesh and blood that we're fighting against. The Bible says it's principalities and powers. Listen, you can't fight a principality and a power with a gun. You can't fight them with a sword. You can't fight them in the natural. Come on, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but come on, they're mighty through God. Come on, it's not a physical thing we're in. It's a spiritual battle we're in. And therefore, we're not going to beat those things in the physical. We're going to beat them in the spiritual, but it's our physical turning around and giving God the praise and the glory that It releases the spiritual, the supernatural that begins to work on our behalf. Did you follow me today? It places the battle in the hands of one that has never been defeated. Never known defeat. Look at verse 17. Love it. You will not even need to fight this battle. There's so many people in here who are so weary because you've been fighting for so long. Can I tell you, quit fighting, take the gloves off, put your hands in the air and start praising God. Because as long as you're fighting, as long as you're taking control, as long as your will is prevailing, guess what? You are limiting the access of God. He's sitting in his lazy boy with his feet popped up, with his hands behind his head. He's watching ESPN. He's watching the Tigers yesterday. I mean, that was an incredible. He's excited about that. I mean, the right Tigers, not the Auburn Tigers, but the LSU ones. He's sitting on his lazy boy. Why? Because he's waiting for you. To say, God, I can't do it, but you can. And can I tell you, he's not going to say, just wait till the end of the show. Come on, he's not going to say, well, I'm just a little bit tired right now. Come on, he's going to be jumped up and he's ready for attention as soon as you begin to ask. You will not need to, come on, I love that. Give me that again. Yes. Come on, I'm feeling it in the house. I'm feeling it in the house come on I want you to begin to feel this today can I tell you as a young kid I want you to look around you today as a young kid I knew I was called to preach I lived in a country of England God's country by the way and God sent me to Satan's country America no I'm playing but as a young boy growing up in England I would lay in my bed at night and I would see myself preaching and I would ask God I said God I don't want you to give me a white church I don't want you to give me a black church I want to give me a church that has everyone from that extreme to that extreme and everyone else in the middle because I want a church that's alive. I want a church that knows what it is to praise God. Look around you today. There's some colour in the house. And you know why I pray too? So they'll wake some of you white people up and get you out of your seats and get you out. I'm telling you right now, if you look inside, there's a little bit of colour inside of here. Why? Because when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, I can't keep quiet. I don't want to be quiet. I want to stop praising God. I want to start glorifying God. I want to give him the glory and the praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You will not need to fight. You will not need to fight. Listen to these two words. Incredible words. What does God say? Position yourself. Position yourself. Come on, say with me. Position yourself. You know what that position is? Begin to worship God. Begin to praise God. Take your eyes off. Get his perception. Come on, that's your responsibility today. To begin to praise God. That's your position. Let me throw this back at you. Gave it to you a couple of weeks ago. Praise and worship is a vehicle that will move you beyond where you're at. And it will take you to where you need to be. It will take you right into his presence. It may not be good where you're at. It may not be favorable around you. Begin to praise God and jump in the vehicle of praise and worship. And let God take you into his presence. And in his presence there is fullness of joy. In his presence there is healing and strength. Help me Jesus. The verse goes on to say, position yourself. Stand still. It's a problem with so many Christians today. They're standing still in the wrong sense. They're standing still in the wrong way. They're doing nothing. And they're waiting for God to move them. And they're waiting for everyone else to move God on their behalf. Come on, stand still is not a passive thing. You're not sitting back and just waiting. People have said that for too long. When it's God's time to use me, he'll come and get me. Come on. You've got to show him that you're ready to be used. You've got to show him that he can trust you. You've got to show him that you're ready and available and willing. Don't stand still. It's not like waiting for a bus for it to come by. Stand still. What does it mean? First and foremost, you've got to realize this. It's not about me. It's about him. Secondly, I've got to stand upon his promises. Come on, I've got to stand still upon his promises. That means this one day I can't believe him, and the next day I can't. Come on, I've either got to believe him or I either don't. Come on, I'm either saved or I'm not. Come on, I've got to stand still upon the promises. I may not see it, I may not always feel it, but you know what? I'm going to stand still upon it. You know what else standing still means? I'm going to trust him. I'm not going to doubt him. We can't run. That's what God's saying. Quit running. Quit running from every problem and circumstance and situation. Quit running. Or if you are going to run, run the right direction. Oh, I'll run into your arms. I'll run into your arms. Don't react hastily. Don't react rationally. Seek God. That's what it means. Wait on God. Trust God. The position is praise. Stand still is to trust him. And what does it go on to say? And you will see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Oh, Jerusalem and or, oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear. Do not be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against them for the Lord is with you. Come on. What are you seeing today? Your perception or his? Are you seeing the opportunities or are you seeing the obstacles? And then the Bible says they worship God, verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. What a sight and what a sound that must have been. One moment they're afraid, they're terrified. They don't know what to do. They begin to praise God. Praise brings his presence. God shows up, gives the instruction of what to do. Then what do they do? They begin to worship God. Can you imagine the sound that the enemy must have heard that day? They must have thought, listen to him crying. They're afraid and they're terrified. Can I tell you right now, that's not a sign of fear. That's a sign of people worshiping God. That's a sound of a great army that's getting ready to come. God instructs them of what to do. Verse 21, you can read it. I don't know if I've got it on the screen. God says, send the praises out first. Send the praises out first. Let them begin to sing. And here's what God told them to say. Say these words, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord. That was the anthem that was to ring out. Come on, don't zone me out today. Stay with me. I've got one last point. The Bible says in verse 22, when they began to sing and they began to praise. I like how the New Living Translation puts it. And it says this, at the moment they began to sing and they began to praise. Come on, at the moment. It didn't happen before. But it happened when they... They first had to give the praise and as a result of the praise going up, the presence came down and the power went forth. Come on, so many times we want God to show up and then we'll begin to praise him. We've got it backwards because it's our praise that causes him to show up. It's our praise that grabs his attention and says, God, we need you over here right now. You give him his portion, he'll redeem the rest works in your giving and your tithes. It works in your praise. Come on, the Bible says, I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That means I'm going to come to church praising God. I'm going to enter into his courts with praise. I'm going to be thankful unto him and bless his name. Too many people waiting. Praise brings the victory. Let's finish verse 22 and trust me, I'm nearly done. Shut my Bible. But I've got my verses written down here. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes. Think about this. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. Can I tell you right now, that word defeated means they were wiped out. God took care of it. I was just reading today that when the children of Israel came through the Red Sea, all they saw was Pharaoh's army washed up on the seashore. God takes care of his children. What literally happened was this, the enemy turned on each other. They fought each other and they killed each other. As the children of Israel, as we the people of God begin to praise God, confusion came into the enemy's camp. Confusion came into the enemy's rank and they began to defeat themselves. When the singers, the Bible says, got onto the top of the mountain, they didn't know what was going to be on the other side. But when they got up on top of the mountain and they looked over the other side, there was no enemy left, or at least no enemy left alive. All they had before them was dead. Praise, praise, praise. Praise, praise. If you don't think it works, I'm telling you, try it. If you don't think it works, put it to the test this week. If you're having problems in your marriage, quit complaining about your husband and wife. Start praising God for the incredible husband and wife that you've got. Begin to praise God for the blessings that he's given to you. And watch as God begins to show up and he'll take care of the enemy and all you have to do is walk in and possess that which Satan wants to take and steal. Because the Bible tells me this, that for three days... They picked up the spoil and plundered the enemy. Praise brings power. A power that is able to meet your every need. Our enemies can be so organized. And the attacks that come against us can be in black and white. We can see them in x-rays. We can see them in MRIs. We can see them in bank statements. We can see them. They're so organized. They're so right. And they can come up against us. And if we don't watch, we'll see them as defeat. But as we begin to praise and say, God, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I know it begins to shift the focus and God takes over and God begins to confuse those things and takes care of those things. The doctors say, what cancer? We must have made a mistake. No, you didn't make no mistake. God just went in and confused some stuff. Well, I'm sorry, we messed up. There's more money in your account than we thought. That wasn't a mess up. Come on, God showed up as we began to praise Him and began to give Him the glory and honor. Listen to me God promised it, but praise provided it. We've got the promise. Now we've got to start pra- praising Him because He's the provision. He's the provision. Come on, it's time to get your praise on. I said, It's time to get your praise on. It's time to tell the enemy, Watch out, you've messed with me long enough. Come on, if I have a witness in the house, why not stand to your feet and begin to get some praise in the house? Come on, just begin to lift your hands in this place.